You're listening to The Recovery, a series of conversations about rediscovering the ancient faith in order to reclaim our own. Well, I hope this finds you well, as always. Um, as we kick this back off, there are a couple of things we need to talk about as foundational to our faith. Um, as noted in the intro, this whole thing is about rediscovering what the ancient faith is all about in order to ground our own. Um, there's just so much chaos that has been going on for a long time in the church, and we've gotten away from the core and foundational beliefs, and that's precisely what we want to talk about today. It's come to my attention last night as I was scrolling through, I think it was TikTok, there was somebody talking about the beliefs of uh, evangelicals, particularly, um, but American Christians in general, um, as regards, he was the thing he was talking about was Jesus and Jesus's nature, um, which were hot topics of debate, conversation, fighting um, in the early church in the early centuries. And over time, the early leaders of the church got together and they debated um, publicly uh, in writing back and forth uh, these ideas and who Jesus was, what what was his nature or natures, um, how how did Jesus as divine relate to Jesus as man, and they developed the creeds. So we have what we know as the Apostles' Creed, then comes the Nicene Creed, and then a little bit later in the 5th century, if I remember correctly, uh, the Chalcedonian, it was intended by the emperor to be a creed, but it ends up being just a definition. It, they got together and further defined and refined the understanding of Jesus and who Jesus is. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. One of the reasons I want to talk about it is there's a group called Legionnaire Ministries. They do a study every two years called the State of Theology, and the results are always interesting, um, but the most recent study, which they completed uh, last year, is a little alarming um, and continues to be alarming, and so I want to talk about it. Um, there are, I think, 35, yeah, 35 questions or statements that the respondents either agree to or uh, disagree with. There are five possible responses. One is strongly disagree, somewhat disagree, not sure, somewhat agree, and strongly agree. And so they issue statements, and then the respondents uh, pick one of those as far as how they feel about it. So like the first statement is, God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. And the responses that I'm going to discuss today are for those who attend church at least once a month. So it's their categories of once, twice a month, once a week, or several times a week. So um, people who say they attend only on religious holidays or rarely or never uh, aren't in the data that I'm going to talk about today. But so for this first first statement, God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake, um, we have 89% of those who attend church at least once a week agree. 75% of those are strongly agree, right? So that's that's off off to a good start, right? We're on good foot, at least to begin. And he goes through and asks, uh, the second question is, there's one true God in three persons. This is obviously a Trinitarian question, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
Again, actually, the, the response is even stronger now. We have uh, the agree side somewhat and strongly uh, 93%, right? So that's great. Like, that's the trinity. Except there are more statements that regards the trinity, um, and they're not so good, right? Um, one of those is Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Those who agree with that statement are 60% of those people going to church. All right, so this statement says Jesus is a created being, right? God created Jesus as the first and greatest being. And as again, that's 60% of those people who go to church agree either somewhat or strongly, and strongly is actually 55. So more than half of those attending church strongly agree that Jesus is a created being. That statement is directly from a guy named Arius, This is like the first and biggest controversy in the church. Um, Arius was making this argument that Jesus is the first and uh, greatest created being, that he was himself not God. And Arius came to a a council. I should also note real quickly that uh, Arius actually wasn't the one that presented. He had somebody else present for him because he was not a bishop and didn't have standing on the floor. Uh, So their response was actually to his proxy. He presented his idea and he was resoundingly uh, rejected. The, the bishops who were in attendance vehemently, strongly disagreed with his statement. In fact, they walked down onto the floor, they took his notes that he was speaking from, ripped him up. There is a tradition that St. Nicholas, the guy who uh, St. Santa Claus comes from, was in attendance, and he walked down and actually punched Arius in the face. I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but it makes for a great story. Santa Claus decked a guy. Um, Anyway, this this was debated and it went around actually for for a while, um, and the creeds, some of the creeds, are developed in response to that controversy. But it points to the the importance of knowing what the Orthodox faith is. Right, that Jesus is God. That Trinity statement is that God is there's one true God in three persons: Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Uh, Jesus is the incarnation of the second member of the Trinity, the Son, who is co-eternal with with God, right? So that's really important to understand, right? And 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 know that, right? And the the Chalcedonian definition, which was sort of the last of the creeds, or the one that really dealt with Jesus and his nature. Um, says that uh, we all unanimously, the, the members of the council, teach that our Lord Jesus Christ is to us one and the same Son, the self-same perfect in Godhead, the self-same perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man. Right? Co-essential with the Father according to the Godhead, co-essential with us according to manhood, like us in all things, sin apart, so not like except for sin, for the ages begotten of the Father as to the Godhead, but in the last days self-same for us and for our salvation born of the Virgin Mary. And it goes on. But the point is that, that the eternal word, the second member of the Trinity, the Logos, is the, is the way that John talks about it, right? The word in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, right? That's the second member of the Trinity, the Logos. He is co-eternal. Jesus the man obviously was... His, his humanity as a person isn't necessarily created, right? He's born. He, you know, he's cells that came together in Mary's body that God presumably puts there. And so 
he's in some sense begotten or you know created but to the extent that he is divine there there are two persons or two natures sorry not persons two natures that sit alongside each other in the person of jesus the the divine nature is eternal right it is co-eternal the second member of the trinity athanasius an early church father who was largely responsible for leading the charge against arius we'll talk about jesus being the local incarnation of the eternal and infinite word and the second member of the trinity the son doesn't cease to be eternal and everywhere just because he is embodied in jesus and so the second member of the trinity as divine continues to exist everywhere right it, we are told actually that jesus is the one by by whom all and through whom god upholds all things and he didn't cease to do that just because he's embodied in jesus right so there's a little little gray area there because we have we have the eternal word and then we have jesus jesus is a particular manifestation of the eternal word but Jesus, by nature of being the second member of the Trinity, is God. He is not the first and greatest being created by God. That was Arius, and that is an official heresy. So let's be real quick here. If you're part of this 70% that believes Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, you are officially a heretic. And that's a, that's a terrible, <laughs> that's not a word that I throw around lightly. It, it means something very important. I know people want to just use that word to mean anyone who doesn't agree with me, and that's that's not a good way to use that term. Um, heresy is a is a belief or a doctrine that importantly and significantly misrepresents the nature of God, right? And so it's it's a lie. And so to say that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God is to take up the Arian heresy. Um, which for 2,600 years, or I'm sorry, 1,600 years, you know, just shy of 2,000 years that we've been in existence as a church, theologian after theologian, generation after generation, has said, yep, that's a heresy. But yet we find ourselves in the American church now in January of 2022 when this survey was conducted with more than two-thirds of our church uh, firmly planted in the realm of heresy. That's terrifying. Um, that's, that's sad. Um, which is why we need to talk about this. We need to, you know, if you you find yourself agreeing with that statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, uh, this is like a stop, do not pass, go. Sit down and really think through this. Go back and read scripture. Talk to your pastor. Send me questions. Like this is something we have to work out. I've talked before about understanding the church, Christianity, as a centered set as opposed to a bounded set. Um, go back and watch a video or listen to a different podcast on, on that idea. But the idea is that Jesus is in the center. As long as you're moving towards Jesus, you're part of the part of the family. But we, we've talked before about how that that Jesus in the center, it itself is kind of a balance that there are things we say about Jesus and things we have to believe about who Jesus is and what he did and what he accomplished and, and his nature. And this is one of those things. And so if you find yourself agreeing with Arius, well, the center that you're supposedly heading toward is not Jesus, right? It's, it's not the divinely in, <laughs> incarnate word and, you know, incarnate in, in the man Jesus. Like that's, that's a fundamental belief that must be there. It defines Christianity and 
to be in the heterodox, the heretical camp is to not be Christian. That's a profound statement, but it's true by definition, right? So, so we have 70%, supposedly, give or take, depending on the statistical validity of the study of the church who actually isn't Christian. Let that one sink in for a minute. Next question, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 50% of the church agrees with this. Jesus was not God, right? Which kind of follows up on that previous one, right? So we have 40, 47% that disagree with that, 3% are unsure, 50% strongly agree. So by a couple points, more people in the church believe that Jesus was not God than believe that he was God. I'm dumbfounded by that. Doesn't make sense of that earlier question, the second statement, there is one true God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 93% of people agree with that, yet more than half the church doesn't believe that Jesus was God, but only a great teacher. The Holy Spirit is a force, but not a personal being. 63% of the people in the church agree with that statement. What does it mean for God to be one God in three persons? It means he's a personal being, right? The eternal Father, the eternal Son, the Holy Spirit, all co-eternal, all personal beings. Again, 63% of the church falls in the category of heretic. Let's talk about this for a minute. So I think some of the confusion comes over this term person. I happen to see another live discussion happening where someone was arguing about the nature of the Trinity. Someone was trying to def defend it. Neither of them actually knew what they were talking about. I think it was Tertullian who coined the phrase person, uh, and he used the term persona. As he was talking about the, the Godhead, the Trinity, he is calling to our attention that uh, God functions in three ways. I'm going to put a big asterisk in this, and I'm going to come back and modify it, because real quickly we get into heretical territory. But what he was saying was the, a persona in, in that time and place was uh, the term used for a mask used in the theater. So as an actor came out and was one character, he would put on a mask and then that same actor may play a different character and would put on a different mask. And that was what a persona was. And so Tertullian uses this term person, persona, uh, it, and applies it to God. So God is one God, three persons. A person is not the way we use the term. It's not an individual. It's not an individual being, right? It is a way of relating. It's something that has a persona, a person, is a personal relationship. And so God is one God, and within God there are three relationships between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, uh, the theological terms are that the, 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 the Father is the fountain or the source, and from God the Father proceeds God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And so it's the, the Latin term is processio. It's the, it's the processions, the proceedings of the Son and the Spirit from the Father, but eternally. So there was no time when God was God the Father and only God the Father, that from all time, for all time, God is God the Father and the Son and the Spirit proceed forth from the Father. We have to acknowledge that that boggles our mind, um, but let's just remember we're talking about God. If, if you can completely comprehend God, then it's not God by definition. Um, it's, it's for some people, that's a, that's a cheap out. I understand that. I 
have a philosophy background. I get it, but this is one of the mysteries of the faith. But very clearly, the the doctrine of the Trinity, and others will argue and kind of push back and say, oh, it's not in the Bible. Well, the doctrines of the Trinity are necessarily true based upon what the, the Bible has said, right? The, the, early, the early centuries of the church are reflecting on what the Bible has said, what the church has said, what God has said about himself through Jesus and the text and coming to these conclusions. They're necessarily true by what's said there. So it doesn't spell out the doctrine of the Trinity, no, but it definitely tells us these things. So there's the the, the processions, the processio. The other one, the other fancy word is perichoresis, which means divine dance. And so these three persons within the Godhead are eternally relating to each other, dancing with one another, to use that metaphor, um, pouring into one another, and, and the nature of that relationship is love. And so when, when John says God is love, uh, he's describing the nature of that relationship. And there are some theologians that go so far as to say that God is actually in the relationship, not in the, in the three parts. Now, that's probably going a bit far, but it does draw out the importance of understanding the relatedness of God and these three persons that what it means to be a person is to be in relationship with other persons. And for us, that's individuals, but within the Godhead, it is three persons within one being, right? And I said earlier, we got to kind of put an asterisk across uh, Tertullian's conversation of uh, personas because that um, real quickly can become what's known as modalism, which is another heresy. And it's the idea that God at any point in time puts on a mask or at one point, God is God the Father. And then in another moment, he takes on the role of son, and then another moment, he takes on this, the role of the Holy Spirit, right? And so he takes on these different modes. Um, that's that's a heresy. That's all, all three are all God at all times, right? So there is no moment when uh, God is the Father and not the Son, or is the Son and not the Spirit, or any combination thereof, right? All three are all true at all times, for all time. Um, the other heresy, if you've seen... Uh, pictures of St. Patrick, who famously uses uh, the uh, three-leaf clover as a, a metaphor. That's, that is uh, partialism. That's another heresy, right? So it's not that a third of God is God the Father, a third of God is God the Son, and a third of God is God the Holy Spirit, right? Again, that's not what the text says. It's not what the scripture says. It's not what the early church says. It's not what... Uh, we, we cannot get there from the scripture, right? God is all of those things at all times. So his being is in, completely encapsulated in each of the members of the Trinity. So his essence is fully present in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Again, how does this make sense? How do we as humans rationalize and wrap our heads around that? You don't, and that's kind of the point. Uh, and it's really apparent as you study the development of these doctrines and the conversations and the debates that they're having, the Arian controversy, controversies over Sabellianism, modalism, all these, all these heresies that come out, that the church is, is really dedicated to holding all of these things in tension because it is what scripture tells us. It is what God has told us, it is what Jesus has told us through his words, it's what Paul has told us about the nature of God, that these are necessarily true, despite the fact that they are not understand. Like, it's unfathomable. It doesn't make sense to us, right? Um, 
but it's important for us to acknowledge that and confess that. And so uh, I know creeds, a lot of people hear those recited in church and they think it's kind of cultish, but we've got to get back to understanding the nature of God because that, you know, that Orthodox faith as, as expressed in the creeds and not everything's in the creeds, right? We don't get the life and teaching of Jesus expressed in the creeds, but they are important. They're sort of the, the, the skeleton or the structure upon which we need to hang that everything else rests. So we got to get back to it. Um, and I would just, again, if you disagree with any of this, uh, these are not Sam's ideas. These are This is what the church has said for 2,000 years, right? Uh, across the spectrum, for the most part, obviously we're in a, a sad state right now in the American church in which we have more than half the church taking up positions of heresy, established heresy. Uh, this is not a new debate or discussion. These are not new ideas. It's not like we're, we come up with some great idea that we've just discovered that somehow Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. That's, that's Arius from thousands of years ago. If you find yourself leaning in those directions, stop, right? Just, just take a step back, go back, maybe maybe study this. As I said, ask questions, uh, get with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Um, don't just fumble through TikTok and watch some lives, uh, not knowing who it is that's talking because there's some... I saw some terrible stuff last night, which is what's prompting this conversation. Like, we've got to get this out there. It matters. It, it really does matter. I mean, if Jesus is not God, it changes everything. If Jesus is God, it changes everything. Um, it's a fundamental belief and definitive of what it means to be a Christian. Anyway, I'm sure there are questions. There's no way in, in one little podcast or uh, one conversation we can deal with all of the intricacies of the Trinity. So if you've got questions, if you've got things that don't make sense, if I said something you really disagree, uh, send me a comment, um, ask a question, argue with me, that's fine. Uh, just do so respectfully. Uh, I love those things that we all learn when we have debates and, and interactions. So uh, drop the comments, questions, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>